45 years ago, a crew began working on a film with a modest budget under the helm of a director making only his second picture and starring a cast of very talented and accomplished actors who were yet largely unknown. The filmmakers themselves acknowledge it was by all accounts a B-movie, but by virtue of emotionally compelling performances, a well-crafted story, and visuals that were out of this world, they created a stunning experience that literally exploded into a lasting cultural phenomenon. Hello, I'm your host, Paul Teese, and on this episode of If When, it was my privilege to sit down with two of the legendary cast members of that singular film, Tom Skerritt, who played the role of Captain Dallas, and Veronica Cartwright, who played the ship's navigator, Lambert. They shared their memories of shooting Alien back in 1978 under the direction of Sir Ridley Scott, working with an amazing cast and crew to create what has become widely regarded as one of the greatest science fiction films in history. Their performances alongside those of Yafit Kodo, Ian Holm, John Hurt, Harry Dean Stanton, and Sigourney Weaver provided a rich and very human context that amplified the intensity, fear, and emotional impact of the movie. It was a great thrill personally to be able to spend this time with Tom and Veronica, and I hope you enjoy the discussion that follows. Well, Tom and Veronica, thank you so much. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be able to sit down with both of you and talk about what I think is one of the greatest films in film history. It's definitely one of my favorites, and of course, that is Alien. I'm very delighted to speak with both of you and to be able to understand more about the performances that y'all delivered and and really just anchored the film and and I think really made it special and why it it still stands the test of time, you know, its authenticity. So thank you both so much for for joining me today. It's our pleasure. My pleasure. All right. Well, let me start and ask you a little bit about the genesis of the characters Captain Dallas and Lambert. And you know, so I've read the shooting version of the script, you know, and it's very to the point. It's very short on exposition. There's not a lot of character detail. And then, you know, I also, I believe it is one of the, one of the commemorative documentaries. They, they said that Ridley Scott really didn't provide y'all with a lot of character direction during filming kind of intentionally to keep you kind of uncertain and on edge I think to try to kind of heighten that mood, you and your castmates were left to create your characters' personas. You know, what were the inspirations you drew upon for your characters? And Tom, let me start with you. And where did Captain Dallas come from? From a script that I read in, <laughs> in a hotel in Minneapolis. Uh, and I it just said alien and they're making an offer and there was nothing else about it except two million dollar budget mm. and i really questioned whether i want to do this for two million dollars it could be another ed uh, I, I can't remember his name that the worst director ever if you're going to be doing a two million dollar film with that script mm. you'd have to hang the rockets the rocket ships uh, with a string and give it away so I just question it, and the, the uh, one of the producers says, "Well, look, uh, look at this film, and I will talk about it." So I looked at something called the Duelists. Now I had no idea who Ridley Scott was. He was a he was a uh, uh, creative uh, and graphics guy, and this is his Duelist was his first movie. Five minutes into it, I said, "I got to work with that guy." <laughs> <laughs> 
Hmm. I don't care about anything else. Everything is going to work out. The budget went up to 10 million and I went to England. That's where it all started for, for me. And then I just saw this to work in going to uh, Ridley's office. Hmm. And I saw this group of wonderful actors, most of all, Veronica, who I felt was the best thing in the film. And away we went. And I remember we got two pages into reading it. Remember that, Veronica? We were two pages into reading that script and, and uh, cats and all that. And he starts saying, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And he starts explaining the whole movie. And uh, he says this, I'm going to do Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it's uh, Okay. <laughs> and then he says, the least the less you see the bad guy, mm. the more frightened you become. And that was it. And then some guy came in and said, Hey, we need you on the set. And that was that was the end of it. And I thought at the time, I don't know if you remember Veronica, I, we were all just sitting with our mouths open. <laughs> <laughs> uh, having just met one another, and and um, I remember thinking, okay, so I, as the captain, I think I said something like, um, okay, so I'm, since I'm the captain of the ship, I guess I should say something to you all, and I'm wondering if we're going to be the ingredients for this movie, as I put it, and well, it turned out we were, but... <laughs> I, I just, I think we all just started to laugh and say, how you doing? How you doing? So that's you, really how it You know, started. what was interesting is um, John Finch was playing the part that John Hurt ended up playing. Mm -hmm. So our first cast meeting was with John Finch. Mm. And we started shooting, which he started in the engine room. Mm. And there was tons. I mean, Ridley loved smoke. Mm. And in those days, that was the smoke they made out of beeswax. And they would just pump it in. Well, John Fitch had just apparently gotten out of the hospital from having pneumonia. And he was back in that night um, mm. because there was so much smoke. And the next day, John Hurt shows up. And I thought to myself, we look like clones of each other. We both had the same color skin. He had the same haircut because Ridley had had me cut all my hair off, which was like an all-day process of torture. And I mean, just thought, oh, my gosh. So there were sort of obstacles thrown at us right from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And we just learned to bounce off of each other. I mean, you had to listen in this movie because if you didn't listen to the other person, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like sort of in a weird sort of way, like doing a stage play. Mm -hmm. You're sort of, if you don't listen, then you're just sort of left out there to hang. So it was, um, and I think Ridley got, well, people that, were really established and really good at what they did, mm -hmm. good character actors, but we weren't sort of like known in a sense. I mean, we weren't people that you could say, oh, there's Meryl Streep mm -hmm. or something like that. We were all really good and really good at listening to each other. Mm -hmm. And we sort of ended up forming our characters just by bouncing off of each other, I think.
No, and I'd, I'd seen in previous interviews in it, Tom, I think you talked about like kind of the impulse nature of the performance and Veronica, you know, we were talking and you mentioned kind of that kitchen table kind of give and take, you know, how much of your performances would you say were like impulse driven? You were just kind of like you were saying, just kind of Yafit would do something or Harry Dean would do something and just react to it, you know, and then how much of it was kind of maybe thought out beforehand, you know, like Tom, I, I love that scene where you're, you're investigating the acid and, you're like, you want Harry Dean's pen and you're like, Hey, give me your pen. You're like, come on, come on. And it's like, it's just, it's so, it's this like understated comedy, you know, but like how much, how much of it was like impulse driven versus like y'all worked it out beforehand. Hey, I'm going to do this. And then you do that. Like, you know, how, how would you kind of characterize how that all came about? You don't think about it. You don't, I, I never really as an actor ever really predetermined what I was going to do. A lot, of have, a lot of what you really do is just respond to the other person like you do in theater. Mm -hmm. You get the lines down and you go. Uh, if you don't have the instincts, the impulses that come out of the instincts, you know, you look like an actor. Mm -hmm. And I never really wanted to look like an actor in anything. So it was a lot of what other people like Veronica, who I, I said earlier, gave the performance that I admired. Mm. Uh, she had to go all over the place. And she was representing the fear that all of us were trying to deny. Mm. And I, I, I just I, I was just taken by the way she works. So and that's all impulse. Mm. Um, I'm sure I'm speaking for you. But I, I, we don't work by thinking about it. If you think about it, it's like going to the Mona Lisa and saying, why is this uh, the first, the greatest painting ever? She's got, got a little smile on her face. It's never been in a painting ever before. Mm. And it's where the questions that people ask when they look at it and say, what is that little smile? Where is she from? And the question marks is always what you give people. What else is falling? Don't they see what's happening behind them? It's for the audience to just wonder why they're behaving the way they're behaving. That was so well put, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. I mean, like like that kitchen scene when we're Yafit and I. I don't know. I sort of got a special bond with Yafit. He was he was just a sweetheart, and he and I just got along, mm -hmm. and. Uh, in my mind, there was always sort of they had had a relationship at some point, which was so strange when the Cameron movie came out, which was 13 years after ours. Somebody put a sticker in the back saying that I was transgender. Well, when and how do you feel about being a transgender? Well, I didn't play it as a transgender person. Somebody. That was. Cameron's idea. I had always thought that I had a relationship with Yafet, and he and I would play off of each other. There was always these little things yeah. that were going on. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. I just, you know, it just seemed totally real. We would have lunch together and we just became totally comfortable with each other. And that I think came out in the movie. And he sort of, in a weird sort of way, became protective of me. Hmm. And I think that's what makes the end work when he he's 
he's sort of trying to protect me from what is going to happen. And I think all of that came out of just working together. And nobody was like acting. I, we were all listening. Mm -hmm. And Ridley's directions were sort of very, um, they weren't driven as from an actor's point of view. It was mm -hmm. all sort of visceral, mm -hmm. the same way he would always be looking at the way things were. Yeah. So like when I had to slap Sigourney when we come back and I have to slap her across the face. Well, it was written in the script that I slap her across the face because you're not pissed off. But every time I went to slab Sigourney, she would duck it. Mm. So my direction was, would you just get her this time? So I thought, oh, well, okay. So I go like that. She ducks it, and I backhanded her. Mm. I just, she went into it, and tears instantly came to her eyes. And, oh, she was pissed off, which mm. was perfect for mm. that moment of what it had to be. Yeah. And Ridley had a weird instinct of things like that. And I don't know, did you ever have those things with Ridley where he just, it was like sort of react, reactionary, not sort of like, well, this is what you're thinking about or anything like that. He trusted right. us all to have that. So, I mean, if it was to be something like that, which, you know, just seemed like a bold move that I would make. Mm -hmm. He sort of got the characters to do things like that. So let me ask you this, and I, I think you probably touched on it a little bit, but you know, I just want to kind of unpack it a little bit. Were you conscious of playing against like science fiction film tropes, such as like the intrepid commander or the damsel in distress and that sort of thing? And for me, it's like I think it's like it's so like Dallas. Dallas's death scene is so pivotal. Like for me, it's like that's actually where I think the narrative pivots. Because when you look at like classic films like The Thing from Another World or whatnot, it's always the cool and in control commander. You know, nothing's ever going to get him. He's going to get through. He's going to save the day. But in Alien, you know, suddenly like halfway through the film, like we lose, we lose our captain who's like the voice of authority. And then suddenly it's like, all bets are off, you know, it's anything goes at this point. So in your performances, were you, were you conscious of like maybe playing against like that, those kind of like well-heeled, well-trod tropes and like trying to do something different? Or were you just like, was it again, maybe more organic impulse driven, just like, I'm just reacting to the, to the other actors and to this, the situation. Well, I didn't consciously think of anything that was, no, I mean, we were just characters. We were these people on a ship. We were doing our jobs. I didn't think of anything, pre-think of anything, or think of it as being a science fiction. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all got to see Balaji first when we were coming in because they were making his suit to him. So we had a sense of what it was that, you know, there was something that was ominous going on. But no, I don't, I mean, I didn't think of it. Oh, this is a big science fiction movie mm -hmm. everything was so awesome anyway everything was so big and going through those caves and across the damn desert that was really a desert and carrying john hurt because we couldn't have a puppet in there it had to be john <laughs> and so sweat and tears and 
all those anxieties and anger of walking across and not being able to breathe in that damn bubble we had on our head, all of those things were, nothing was sort of planned. It just was coming out of organic, I guess, mm. which was cool. <laughs> That's that's like working in theater. You just simply can't think. if you can't, if you think you're just putting a block right in front of you. Absolutely, you cannot act. I I never learned to be an actor. I just <laughs> I went around walking around, following Ridley everywhere he went. I just wanted to learn more. I learned a lot from Hal Ashby and from Bob Altman, who I'd worked with earlier. Just following these guys around to really look at things and really absorb it all. See how it's shot, how see how it's what lens you use, what lights are being used, all of this, and you see this. See what Ridley was doing in the background. He had smoke going across the screen. The first time I'd ever seen anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just the marvel of working with this guy, and then being the rest of this gang mm-hmm. and and. The, ship and also having coincidentally I really liked was this before I knew who else was going to be in it that a woman survives a woman wins a woman takes it on a woman's the strength of women are what this was all about is she somehow another walks out of this thing and becomes the actress in several things that follow mm. <laughs> they were not the alien but they were called as such because of the success of Right. what it said and what it didn't say and um i i just love that idea of these two women in this group of men mm-hmm. and what was going on was there anything going on there was some suggestion in the screenplay that my character was having a little fling with the other the other lady and um and uh, at the time i thought i don't know if that really works story-wise i i mean in terms of pace it's yeah. like at the end of the film when she's running around trying to get the cat before the thing explodes. Yeah. I thought, what a great thing to do because what I was concerned about was they had me at the end stuck on a wall mm-hmm. being absorbed by an egg. Mm-hmm. She's trying to figure out how to save me. And I just say, hit me with a blowtorch, blow yeah. which she finally did. See, that would just break the whole flow. Mm-hmm. If, if she's running around, looking around, and she's got to stop and say, oh, hi there, Captain. <laughs> and I'm saying, never mind, I have indigestion, zap me. Yeah. And she said, you got it, baby. And she zapped me. So, see, that would have been just not the pace. And that's what Ridley always got was about the rhythm. Tap your feet always with rhythm when you watch a movie. If it doesn't have rhythm, it ain't got an audience. Mm-hmm. Well, and I and I, I mentioned this to Veronica earlier. You know, I, I think it's really poignant that your your two characters' deaths are the two deaths that are not shown in the movie. And I know that they they put out the the director, the quote unquote director's version where they they put the cocoon scene in, but it actually works better, the theatrical version, because it's it's to me anyway, it's more terrifying. Like we don't know what happened to Captain Dallas. The the creature snatched yeah. him in the shaft and we never see him again. It's like, who knows what happened? And it's the same thing with Lambert. It's like we hear those terrible screams and things going on on the audio. But like that's worse 
than like being shown like what happened to Yafit or Harry Dean or whatever, you know. So whatever whatever happens in anything, a piece of art, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you can't give it all to an audience. You can't a story is is only an, as interesting as what you don't tell them on the yeah. way. And I was reading a book, Cormac McCarthy, who's one hell of a writer. Mm. What's going on? So this horrible stuff that he's writing about, but it's so sweet the way he's writing it. <laughs> and that's true of any anything. Whatever we do visually and audio with audio uh, added and talking movies mm. is what you don't do ultimately in any story that's being told. Mm. Don't give it away. No. Just make it go. What happened with uh, Alien was it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Really, all we saw was she kicked it out. Yeah, and that's and I, you know I may be alone in this, but I at least this fan I, I wish they had stopped with your movie because I feel like they've just they've they've done everything they can to try to milk the franchise and try to explain this and explain that, and it's like. It just kind of messes. It messes with it. It's like just leave well enough alone. I know that it's Hollywood, and they they can't leave well enough alone. Plus, but plus, there were so many. Well, the second one, I I I, I like the second one. But when they started putting more and more aliens in, mm-hmm. it just started to get become a ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think that sort of took away from the other movies. I, I frankly, I agree with you. I mean, it's what was so frightening about the other thing and you didn't know what was going to happen you thought it had gotten expelled you know and um yeah i always remember tom and i remember the scene when you're up in the the uh, tunnel up and you know going trying to find the alien and where it is so and i have that box and i'm down there with yafet and you're up in the well tom and i had to go into a a sound studio and watch that whole thing how it'd been cut together and then we had to recreate that entire thing and that was it was really hard to do that but at the same time it was just sort of I I thought it was an interesting way to do it nobody realizes that it's been you know the two of us were standing next to each other watching the screen and recreating what we had done on the set. Mm-hmm. That was really a trippy day, I must say. Yeah, were you recreating it like the audio, you mean? like you were- All the audio, yeah. Mm-hmm. We had to stand next to each other and he, I mean, I'm saying, Dallas, you know, and he, and Tom's talking, you know, at night. We were just literally standing next to each other uh, because they had edited it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they had to somehow, I guess, we went in and it was all ADR, mm-hmm. watching the screen and recreating it. Mm-hmm. It was really a trip, I must say. But nobody knows that we didn't yeah. do that on the stage. Well, so let me ask you this. You know, there was a lot, there was a very complex movie. There's a lot of, there was just a lot of challenges getting it done, right? And a lot of physical challenges. I mean, you, these stories about like the spacesuits didn't have air holes and, you know, like the the smelting pots with all the smoke and everything. And it's exhausting and it's tough. I'm sure there are probably moments where people didn't all get along. 
you know, or weren't maybe as courteous as they could have been and personalities and things like that. You know, so it's like before Alien, you both had very successful careers. And, you know, at the time, you know, beside despite Star Wars, I, I, most 70s science fiction films were it, it wasn't the industry that it is now where they're like, it's just so big and it just makes so much money. So and, and we talked about this, that you're kind of signing up for at what was at that point, like a B movie. I know that the budget got ramped up and, you know, Ridley obviously is a very extraordinarily talented director, but there's no sure things here. So my question for y'all is, you know, was there ever a point in the shoot, perhaps when things were arduous or chaotic, where you were thinking, you know, I I may have made a mistake <laughs> saying yes to this movie. And if so, you know, what, what helped you kind of work through that and persevere through it? Uh, from my standpoint, absolutely no. I, it was just uh, going to be very early on, I think from reading it and seeing this guy directing it and then this cast and this wonderful Veronica person who gave this wonderful performance mm -hmm. and really held it back. That was a choice to watch. Uh, everybody else was playing what they played, but it was pretty straightforward. Mm. And it was just everybody looked wonderful. All, never mind all that stuff. We were terrific. He was terrific. The lighting was his. Everything he did was his. Mm. He was an artist. He's an artist, a true artist. He was painting this as he went along. So I don't know if I'm uh, really answering your question, but I have no doubt about that. That was going to be a classic. I remember having a conversation with Yafit Koto about two weeks in this. I said, you know, this is going to be a classic, don't you? He says, hell yeah, man. <laughs> there was no doubt in my mind because I, I, I all my, uh, every, in the 70s, mm -hmm. which is best decade for movies of the 20th century, I happened to stumble on the best directors ever. Mm. Well, Ashby and Altman and Dow Ridley. And I said, how did I get to be so fortunate? So my whole approach was never about, gee, that I'm, uh, I don't have that kind of ego that gets into this stuff. And, and I can't answer questions that you would give me because I don't think that way. Mm -hmm. It's about just simply the joy of being able to do this, working with people like this. And what I'm learning all the time, every time, it was about uh, films that possibly I was just writing about one of the worst films I ever did, which was done in Africa and Brazil. And it was just terrifyingly terrible, awful. <laughs> you know, the director was the adverse screenwriter. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I had forgotten about this until recently because I was writing a memoir. And to be with this group of people, this class mm -hmm. of actors, for me was a reward as much as anything. Mm -hmm. And being, first of all, with this director who I said five minutes into looking at duelists, mm -hmm. I said, I want to work with him. I didn't know any, no one else was cast yet. So there was no doubt if you got a director like that, you go with it. Yeah. If you don't like the director, uh, the, the writing, he'll make it work. And he just made it work. And we were all there for him. Wow. And so, Veronica, for you, I mean, was it pretty much the same thing? Like you knew it was it was going to be a classic, and there was just it was you 
no question. I'm going to, whatever it takes. I had no idea it was going to be a classic movie. I mean, it was, I don't know. I thought the movie was, was very, um, it was rewarding in the sense of, you know, working with great, really great people. Mm -hmm. And it was really a tough shoot, I thought. I thought it was very hard. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that it would end up being as big, as it was i mean it's a you know as tom said it was a b movie that's what we thought we were there but it's a great group of people so let's just cross our fingers i mean we weren't going to put up with you know having no air holes in our spacesuits and mm -hmm. having it be uh you know the hottest summer they'd had in century all of it had to be worth something <laughs> so <laughs> it was nice that but you know it was it was very weird they didn't throw a premiere there was really no premiere i went and saw it at the egyptian theater and i stood in line to go see it just so i could see what it was like I, with an audience i believe in the director totally in the director and the cast and that was all that was necessary it was yeah i mean uh, it was, two weeks i knew this was going to be a classic because you were there okay <laughs> well that's awfully that. sweet don't, don't <laughs> Into it. I didn't. It was, I didn't know it was going to be a close. It was meant to be what it was, and you were, you were, uh, you were the pie. Yeah. <laughs> well, can you believe it's been you actually? So I was looking this up. Um, you started principal photography in early July, nineteen seventy-eight. So we just—I mean, it just forty-five years ago, you started filming this. Wow. Are you surprised? I know, I know you see it's, it's a classic and like, you know, and it's a classic, but are you surprised by its endurance and about like how everything, this whole cottage industry is kind of bloomed around it. And in fact, they're even making, they're making another alien film, I think for next year. Like, so it's well, no, no doubt because they've run, they're running on tires that ran, the tires were on a long time ago. So they just keep, I had a long, very long because I, I scattered myself out to be listening to what executives talked about. Mm -hmm. In those days, they talked about films that would uh, be well enough to get revenue from your audience. There would be good stories, well told. And you had the one who's going to tell it is going to be the director, ultimately. Mm -hmm. We are figures, we are pages in a book, actors are. Uh, I don't mean to minimize, marginalize it. But uh, we are, and the painter is, guys, the good directors, if they don't know how to paint, we have to take over. Mm. We didn't have, all I remember was a lot of laughing. And one of the things I learned when I very early on, when I was one of the main characters in a, in a movie, was to let's just not get our egos in the way, guys. Let's just blend together and be a football team. An all-solid defensive and offensive line. Got great quarterback. We got everything we need. Let's all do this together. Mm -hmm. Bash was one of those. Altman was one of those directors. Mm -hmm. And then when we did that, I just found a lot of reason when we did Alien, I just saw a lot of reason to laugh. Mm -hmm. And the way we approach things, you know, I, I one actor was who wanted to, uh, I won't say which one, but after dinner, after lunch, he wanted to get himself all fired up and he's doing everything he possibly can to get fired up. And I'm standing in back of two English 
Krulin. Mm-hmm. All of them very much gentlemen. And he's going, yeah, and he stops and he looks at these guys. Hey, man, why you guys just sat around with your hands on your ass? Not, don't say anything. Come on, get up. And, and then he turns around and goes, he's, I'm done. I'm ready. You go, let's shoot it. And there's this long silence. And one guy looks at the other. And I'll never forget this. I'm kind of wondering. I'm smiling like this. But he got out of control every now and then. Um, <laughs> uh, and the one English guy looks at the other and says, isn't it grand being English? <laughs> I just fell apart. That was so. That was my one of my great memories of Alien. Mm-hmm. Was that moment of uh, an actor who really has to kind of work himself up and get hostile and everything else, and go and take it on into the scene, and have the Englishman round it up. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, God. <laughs> Bless his heart. He was such a sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tom and Veronica, I, I want to thank you both so much for spending this time with me and and you know revisiting Alien. It's uh, a much loved classic, and you know it's it's amazing. It it has stood the test of time. It's just remarkable. They just it literally is one of those uh, instances of like they don't make them like they used to. And so, and a large, huge part of that is the performances you both gave. So thank you both so much for your time today. Thank you. You're very welcome. My pleasure. My pleasure.